for the record, we had a computer crash last night. Actually, a couple of computers crashed. And so I'm trying to rebuild all my database of music. And one of the things that's missing is the intro to my show. So, so we don't have the voice saying good morning? No, no. So, yeah, we'll have to keep our conspiracy theories to ourselves, I guess, today, <laughs> Steve. This is the Andy Griffin Show. I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in today on this sunshiny and beautiful Wednesday morning. Joined here in studio with Steve Dunham. Hello. From the Washington County School District. Hi, Steve. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Let's make sure your mic is plenty loud. And on the phone line, we have Sterland. No, Dave Sterland is here. Hi, Dave. What's up, man? Thank you for that emphasis on land. That's really nice. <laughs> that resonates with your listeners. Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Now, Dave and I, we used to live in the same neighborhood years ago. Uh, That's and, true. And true. I, I honestly thought probably for the first six months I knew you that your last name was Starling. I, I didn't know. I, I never looked it up. And, and you know, it's so interesting. I've, I've lived in this community all my life, and I'm not going to tell how long that is, but it's a long time. And I would say somewhere in the 60 to 70 percent percent of the time, I'm introduced as Dave Sterling. Sterling. Oh, like which, silver. Which, yeah, like silver. And I imagine that's because of my silver light personality. I have no clue. Because <laughs> you shine. You are. Or is it the silver in your yeah. hair, Dave? Is it the silver in your hair? Whoa, now that one just had a birthday. <laughs> Thanks for that, Andy. Appreciate that. One. You just had a birthday? I did too. You're not going to yeah, tell us well, your age, though. Um, I don't really care, but I'm and your mother's maiden her. name. Yeah, <laughs> and you want the last four digits of my social security number? Right, exactly correct. And do you use password as your password? <laughs> it seems to be pretty common <laughs> no, too. No, I use. I use password one two three. Oh, okay. Well, that that that'll make things a lot easier. Uh, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys coming on today. And last uh, last month, of course, it was all the controversial talk about book banning and and things like that. And it, I think because of literature, you know, Fahrenheit four fifty one or whatever, book banning. When you say those two words together, everybody freaks out. <laughs> Like, what? This is America. You can't ban anything. You know, and everybody gets real tense and uptight and everything. Uh, but I like what Steve said uh, six months ago. And, and, Steve, maybe you can talk about this again. But you said, we try to reflect the values of our community in, in the stuff we teach and the stuff that we allow, we have the kids read. Uh, and I, I, I'm not a knee-jerk reaction. Book banning is evil uh, because, I mean, we... Every day we edit what we do. Uh, you know, are you going to go to a convenience store that has a giant rack of pornography right by the front door? Of course not. I mean, that's, that's in essence, we're banning that store for doing that. And we, we do that all the time, Steve. I, I think a better way that I could phrase it would be age appropriateness. Mm. There are certain things that are not age appropriate for some of our students. Sure. Just like movies have a rating system tv has a rating system right. and we see it on all the shows now tv mature well you might want to be cautious if you're watching tv mature with younger children sure. you're you're, you're going to get in trouble lyrics on cds music have rating systems or uh, ratings that say explicit lyrics yeah. and so but we don't have that for literature and and so that's something that the legislature looked at this session and we're going to take that into consideration as we look at what we're doing here in the school district you mentioned music. I, you know, I go on, used to go on a lot of long road trips and I would take one of my boys with me back when they were in, they're adults now and living their lives. But back when they were, were kids living at home 
And uh, at, at a certain point later on, as they were growing up, and I go on a road trip, and instead of playing the radio, we would put on, you know, Pandora or Spotify or something. And the problem with that, they do have the labels on them, but you don't really look at them. You just play, I play this playlist or, yeah. or whatever. And uh, I, I remember being quite embarrassed, you know, uh, going along listening to a song, and all of a sudden they drop, you know, the f bomb or, or or some kind of really explicit type lyric and i'm like i'm sorry son i didn't know that was on here and you know most of the time the kids were just as embarrassed as i was well even so. today radio stations play radio edits of yeah. songs the yeah. artists create it that way so it can be played over the air it's for all the public it's available for everybody and it's safe for everybody and you hear it still today it's available to the public it's got to be a radio edit there is a song that's popular right now, and the only reason I know this is because I was walking out in the lobby a couple of days ago and listened to our pop station, B92, and it was the... the, the Are they I, playing Satan's music? The, well, the, <laughs> the, the song was the, the girl, and I don't know, maybe it was Jewel or Pink or one, I don't know which one. Anyway, she said A-B-C-D-E-F-U. Uh-huh. And and then I guess at a certain point she actually says the word, and it's bleeped out, but I was just like... You know, this is why we have radio stations and why you don't uh, maybe stream Spotify unedited all the time on your devices. Well, and it's something to consider, and it's something that the legislature picked up on this session. And That is, there is some literature that is award-winning. It's very well-known. Mm-hmm. It, it has a good message, and yet, for one reason or another, the author has decided to include passages which are not age-appropriate for children in some levels of school. And, and so you have to consider there either needs to be a national system that could help us out with that, or we have to consider how can we make this so it is truly transparent and available for parents to decide what is best for their children. And that's something our Board of Education has looked at very closely for the last six months or so, is how can we be completely transparent and make sure our parents have the right to choose what is best for their children. Well said. I want to get Dave's thoughts on on this. Dave, when I was in high school, uh, we were studying Shakespeare, and at one point we studied the Romeo and Juliet tragedy. Obviously, um, perhaps the biggest Shakespeare story ever ever written, uh, you know, popularity wise. At the end of our little se- segment, it was maybe two or three weeks. We studied this this story. At the end of the segment, the teacher played the uh, Romeo and Juliet movie for us. Now, those that don't know this, that movie actually has a semi explicit sexy they're naked bodies basically the the english teacher played the language arts teacher played the movie when it came time for that scene she went and stood in front of the screen for about i don't know it lasted 30 seconds or something and then she went and sat back down uh it, it was i mean she was banning a scene from a movie right i mean if we want to use those <laughs> inflammatory words uh dave maybe we can get your thoughts on what that teacher did what a teacher now 40 years later would do uh, in a situation like that, and was it appropriate? Well, it was, a, it was a, a very interesting point. I mean, one of one of my uh, responsibilities, I feel, as a member of the school board, is not only am I trying to ensure high high levels of learning for every student, but I kind of feel like I'm uh, also a protector. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a role as kind of keeping children safe. We talk about safety in schools, like physical safety in schools, right? I mean, it's just, it's a, it's always a, an important topic. In fact, we talk about it at every meeting. Are we keeping our children safe, you know, 
walkways to school? Are they safe in the playgrounds? Are they safe in the schools? Um, as a parent, I mean, I want to make sure that my children are safe with, you know, some of the material that has been introduced in, you know, it's in, it's in our curriculum. If, if it is pornographic, if it is lewd, if it's vulgar, if it has, um, you know, concepts that I just don't want a, a child to be a, be a part of. I think my role as a board member is to protect that child from that. And I think, Andy, in your, in your example, that teacher was, was protecting you from, mm -hmm. from what could be construed as pornography. So I would applaud that teacher who um, is, you know, making an assessment. This is pornographic material that I wouldn't want to introduce my students to. Now, pornography and some of these, um, uh, you know, some of these cases, there's a lot of subjectivity. What is porn pornography? What isn't? That's one of the things that we wrestle with as a board, um, you know, and I think Steve said it, said it very well. We look for age-appropriate uh, messages and, and curriculum, right? What you're going to introduce in a fourth-grade class may be a little more appropriate to juniors and seniors. And I don't know if I can give you really any examples, but... I think, um, I think a good yeah, example of that, Dave, is, is our health curriculum. We have a, a different health curriculum for maturation when the children are younger versus when they're in their health class when they're older. It's a different uh, curriculum depending mm -hmm. upon their age so that it's appropriate for their understanding, their knowledge, and we make parents very aware of what we'll be teaching so they can opt into that if they choose. Yeah, and, and I would just add, too, that, again, Steve's point about parental involvement is, is just a key element of what we, we do as a board. We want the parents to be involved in every level of these, of these decisions, and they should know what their children's curriculum is in school. They should know what their children are, books their children are checking out. And so the parents have a right, I mean, a, a, I don't know how... I want much more I could say it with emphasis. They have a right to choose or help their children choose what they read, what they view, what they learn. And for me, that is, that is paramount in the decisions that I make is the parental involvement is, is, has to be a, a key element in, in what we do. That, that actually it, it kind of brings to mind to me, do you have a number, Dave or, or Steve, on what that, percentage is how many parents are involved uh i felt like uh at the elementary school that my kids attended um i would have and i'm just guessing but i would say less than half for sure parents were involved in their kids education at, at any kind of commitment level uh and, and as the kids got older some parents got more involved some parents got less involved but it seemed like less and less parents were involved i you know we were the type of parents we were involved in in our our kids education in that we helped them with their their homework we kind of got on their cases about getting things done uh but i wasn't best buddies with their teachers so i guess i guess my question is to you guys where are we at percentage-wise with parents being involved? Because we talk about it all the time, and I agree with you 100%. The kids get a better education when the parents are involved. Is that happening? Well, I think, I mean, I'm going to say the, the uh, you know, my, my wish is that it would be 100%. And obviously, obviously it's not 100% parental involvement. And this, this brings up to my point. So 
in a perfect world, every parent is part of that decision-making process and that educational process, right? And we know sure. that, that doesn't happen. So that is why it's important for me as a school board member to fill in those gaps for those students who don't have a parent or who have other situations in their life where they don't really have that oversight of someone who cares for them and loves them and wants the best for them. And so as a school board member, reflecting the community standards and the community norms is really vital and important to me so that I can help when I'm in that decision-making process fill in those gaps of protection, of keeping children safe and keeping them, um, having them avoid certain, you know, introductions to some of these things that are happening in books and in movies and, and in curriculum. And so I don't know that, Steve, I don't know if you have an idea what the percentage is. Obviously, it's not 100%, but, and I think in some areas of our district, it will be higher than others. Um, but, um, you know, our hope is that all children, you know, as we seek to ensure that they have the best opportunity to learn, the parents are part of that process. What do you think, Steve? You got a, a ballpark number even? You know, I don't know that I have a ballpark. I think it's a it's a tremendously difficult number to quantify. True. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head. In elementary, it seems to be higher. Mm -hmm. But that has depending factors on whether you have uh, two parents that are working outside of the home. That mm -hmm. brings in more of a challenge. And how do you grade what involvement is? If we were to look at, say, for example, parent-teacher conferences, at the elementary level, at some of our schools, we get 90 to 98% attendance mm. at parent-teacher conferences, which is phenomenal, you know? But then when you get into the secondaries, that plummets, you know? And that could be teenagers saying, oh, yeah, you don't need to come. There's nothing to talk about because they don't want to talk about anything. Right. But the fact is, is what does involvement mean? Does it mean helping at home? If there is more involvement, the child succeeds better, and, and, and their education progresses at a more positive rate. Um, but, but it's besides, the only thing we can track are parent-teacher conferences, and we have those figures. And like I say, at the elementary level, it's in excess of 90%, which is phenomenal. And then when you get into the secondaries, that drops tremendously. And, and, and you're right, so many different reasons for that. We didn't actually attend uh, later in, our, in our, our two daughters' education. They both had A. Well, they've got an A and PE. Why would I go see the PE teacher exactly. if they have an A and PE or, or something like that? Uh, we were already friends with the band director. You know, my kids were into band. And, and so, you know, I, I talked to the band director once or twice a week anyway. So why would I go to a parent-teacher conference? So, yeah, I can see where that would be really hard for you guys to count up. You know, something else to keep in mind as we discuss what is appropriate for, for children mm -hmm. is to keep in mind what their these own authors have said about their, their literary pieces. Hmm. They will even admit that they are appropriate for certain ages, but they won't even quantify what those ages are. But they, they admit that it is appro not appropriate for elementary yeah, students. I didn't write this for an 8-year-old. And, and so <laughs> when, when an author is admitting to that, they're admitting that there is some more uh, advanced themes that they're covering in this that should be covered with a parent, that should be covered mm. with an adult that they can talk with and discuss and learn about. And so for then suddenly to come at us and say, hey, you're trying to ban our book. No, we're trying to make sure that it's age appropriate for the students. Well, it is. Okay, so what's that age? Well, they won't give it to you. Nobody will give it to you. Everybody wants to back away from it yeah. at that point and say, oh, free speech, free speech. Well, you want a number? I'm not going to give you a number. Exactly. Yeah. And yet we do it with with music we do it with tv we mm -hmm. do it with movies we have movies that win the oscar that are rated r because a director arbitrarily throws in 
a nude scene, a sex scene, yeah. the F word, so that they can get that R rating, they can sell more tickets, and profitability. I don't know that the authors do it for the same reasoning, and yet we don't have a similar system for literature. Mm. And th- so we have these award-winning pieces, which... For us, for our side, it's frustrating because we want children to be well-rounded. We want them to learn about different concepts, different cultures, different ethnicities, and all of these things. And yet, there are elements thrown in that make it, according to other standards around us, probably not age-appropriate. Well, let me ask you about that word, age-appropriate. Uh, has that has that needle moved? Uh, and, and the reason I ask this, and it's kind of a hard question and, and an unfair question, but I want to get your opinions on this. Uh, but when I was, say, 12 years old, I was incredibly more naive than my kids when they were 12 years old. And I assume when they have 12-year-olds, they're probably going to be a little more savvy than, than they were at that age. So has the needle moved? Should we be adjusting that? I don't know because I, I my, here's my reflection. Mm-hmm. I will sit down with my kids to watch a show that I enjoyed when I was 12 back in the 80s, mm-hmm. and suddenly I'm like, oh, my gosh, why am I watching this? I can't <laughs> believe it. And so I'm shocked yeah. that to me it was nothing, but then when I watch it with my own children, I'm like, oh, boy. And so I think, if anything, the needle may have moved the different direction. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. You turned out okay, though, Steve. I, I, try, I hope so. <laughs> Thank you. Dave, what's your thought? Well, if it's if it's inappropriate, I don't care what age you're in. I mean, I, I get it. I think we can be, become a little bit desensitized to, or sensitized to some of some of the things that are on TV and that our children listen to. And I think that's just kind of natural. Obviously, I mean, the things that my parents would would have just been a would have been aghast at. You know, it's kind of the norm. And same with my children. I don't. That's a great question. I, I just think, to, to me, I kind of look at it more for what's right and what's wrong. And if it's inappropriate at, at a certain age or any age, it's, it's inappropriate. It's like we don't have to justify it by, you know, by saying, well, because norms have changed, your standards have changed, it's okay. It's just, hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to get preachy, but, I mean, if it's, you know, I think, I think people can make judgments. And I'm here again, I go back to what parents Parents can make those judgments for their children. I mean, if they feel like, you know, this is something I want my child to be exposed to and learn about and there's some educational value, then they can make that decision. And I Um, think as a school district, we can provide the means to ensure that parents have the right to make the decision for their children. Isn't that accurate, Dave? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's kind kind of what we've been doing as we've been going along here, trying to vet out some of the those elements of stu- of books and literature that we think are just inappropriate for, again, age-appropriate or age-inappropriate. A couple of things. Uh, w- I always tell young people this, and they're blown away. Uh, there was no three-point line in basketball when I was in high school. They, they put it in in 1985, the year after I graduated. Uh, and uh, there was no PG-13 rating when I was a teenager. It was PG or it was R. There was no middle ground. And so, you know, for my parents, it was easy. They don't go to an R movie. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to a PG movie. Of course, back then, if you said one F word, it was automatically R. And, and now you, you know, PG 13s have that word in it a lot, as a matter of fact. So, uh, but, but times, times have changed a little bit, but I, I appreciate your point, Dave, in that right and wrong are still right and wrong, no matter what's happened in modern times. 
Yeah, and and hearing about the three-point line, it just makes me wonder where your career would have gone if that would have had that. <laughs> I would have been a superstar. Maybe. Well, I'm not, I would say not. you wouldn't be having this interview. We'd be, you know, we'd be trading your base, your basketball cards for millions of dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, I wish. But, Sorry about uh, that, Andy. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's it is. It's, we we just like I say we're caretakers. We're caretakers of community standards at our schools, and. Um, I mean, we, we do our best to get it right and um, make schools safe. I, I mean, that's kind of a commentary, this whole discussion. is just we're going to do our best from, from a board perspective um, to keep the, keep the children and the students safe from, from all threats, whether they be physical or, you know, curriculum or any of those things. We're going we're gonna to certainly try to do our best. And we're going to try to involve the parents every step of the way. Even as we looked at these books, we've involved parents in the process so that we are not saying, hey, we're the the end-all, be-all, we know it all. We want our parents included so they can give us feedback. And we we welcome, you know, building on that, we welcome parental involvement. I mean, if a parent sees a child with a book that they feel is inappropriate. I mean, we, we're more than happy to take a look at that, a long look and through many different lens and, and see if that book is inappropriate. And I mean, I go back to this, this word, the censorship. Um, mm. I mean, the last thing I want to do is be a censor. I don't, I don't want to do that because my, you know, my subjectivity or my values or my judgments may not be the same as Steve's or yours, Andy. I mean, so mm-hmm. I I don't want to get into that, but I certainly want to um, do my best to just provide a framework of how we can keep certain material out of the schools and out of the children's hands. You guys both mentioned, uh, well, I mean, we talked about they, they rate music, you know, if it has explicit lyrics, etc. cetera. Uh, movies obviously ha- have a rating system. Uh, TV has a rating system. Will there ever be a time, Steve and Dave, when books have a rating system for decency? You know, I think that's a tough one because the courts have already ruled, the Supreme Court included, on on free speech in, in areas of literature. But I don't know. I, I can't answer that. Yeah, how, well, do you, how do you say what will or won't happen? Yeah, we're not saying ban them. Just give us an idea of what's what's in it. No, what's exactly. And, and yeah, I look. It would be it would be great if, if a book came with, like like you know. I, and I don't do video games, but I think video games also come with the kind oh, of. Oh, they do. They do. Steve? Good example. Like, like you have audience, mature audience, or something like that. Wouldn't it be nice if a book said rated M or you know, 14 above or whatever. So we could, I mean, that would be a, a great way. That would be ideal. To help us, us, you know, uh, again, vet books a little bit better for age appropriateness. You know, or even if we had a supposed radio edit of a book. Yeah. You know, where a, oh, an they element. Oh, mad at you about that, wouldn't no, they? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, there. we got VidAngel that, that does that for movies. But and they got sued. They did, they did. But that's, yeah, the, did. that's the point is you have... Uh, you have things that perhaps are not appropriate for these kids, and yet the message of the book is so strong that it would be important for these children to see it, to understand it, to be able to talk with their parents about these cultures, all of these things. There are some things that maybe it is necessary, and and uh, I'll say the author, but they're an artist as well, need to consider, okay, this is my book. I'm willing to remove this element for schools, you know? There was a- here's a here's a great example. I mean, just and I'll I know I'll be really quick, but there's 
There's a book that I read about a, a refugee and about her experience in the Rwandan Holocaust in the 90s. Hmm. And it is it, from her perspective about what happened to her and her family. I mean, it, it was it was incredibly violent, but it told her story about how you know she lost her family, um, you know how she had found redemption. I mean, there's just a lot of really good themes about overcoming struggle and and pain and working through you know different difficult circumstances. Some might look at that and say, "Wow, that is so violent," you know, to tell those, right. those stories about what happened. But yet, the message of being able to overcome adversity is just so strong, and it's a true story, that you'd say, whoa, do I want my child exposed to that kind of violence? Or do I want my child exposed to somebody who overcame an incredible odds mm-hmm. you know, that you could do hard things and be successful? So, I mean, you see where it's not just black and white? It's not just easy. Yeah. It's something yeah. very difficult to, to do some of these um make some of these decisions. And that's that's where parents really come into this because they can help make those decisions for true. their child. Very true. There's that, that book they talked about. It wasn't here in Utah, but the, the Boy in the Striped Pajamas about a German officer's son befriending a, a Jewish boy who was in a concentration camp. And, uh, you know, it was there were no sex scenes. There were no swear words. Uh, but it was a very mature subject matter about a couple of well, a little boy who finds out firsthand how unfair what happened in Germany in the, in the 40s, 30s and 40s uh, was. Uh, you know, they wanted to ban that book. But, you know, to me, it was like, well, wait a minute. What's yeah. the message of the book? And, and I mean, it, just kind of to your point, Dave. Yeah, that, that's an example of where something almost must must mean be needed. You know, we need to have books like that. Children need to to yeah. read about those kind of experiences. I mean, there's, you know, I can make all kinds of statements about that, but those are those are pretty good examples of, you know, where there is kind of a little gray area, and and where there needs to be, you know, a lot of involvement from different stakeholders on making those decisions. All right, Dave Sterland and Steve Dunham here from the Washington County Schools. We're going to turn you guys down a minute. I'm going to do some weather and stuff, and then uh, we'll get back to it. I want to talk a little bit about bullying, and I think everybody agrees bullying is bad. I mean, it's just, it is, but what exactly is bullying? What constitutes bullying? It's kind of like reading books and subject matters. How, where do you draw the line at bullying? If I say something mean to some out, someone else, am I, am I a bully? Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back to the program. We're talking Washington County schools and students and excelling and trying to do great things. I've got school board, Washington County School Board member Dave Sterling and communications director, PR guy, main man, former radio dude, all those things. <laughs> Steve Dunham. Hi, Steve. Hi, Hello. Dave. Good morning. Big man on campus. I mean, you name it. Oh, it. stop. I know Steve has. By, a... by the way, uh, Andy, nice age appropriate ads on the radio, by the way. Uh, yes, I, I get I get a lot of complaints <laughs> about the ads, and I uh, will say what I always say. I have nothing to do with the ads. Yeah. Uh, it all comes down to money, right, sorry, Andy? Uh, well, no, it comes, I didn't, comes I didn't down want to, to bring that up, but you know, I thought that was... Yeah. Very coincidental, right? Well, all the kids are at school right now. but uh, There you go. Well, you hope they are, right? 
Let's talk a little bit, guys, about bullying. Now, I've got a couple stories from when I was young. I, I had first elementary school uh, story. There was a kid that used to come by. Remember that game where you punch a kid in his shoulder and then he got to punch you back and all this stuff? We had this one kid that, that, that was all day, every day for him. He would walk by and punch people in the shoulder. He had a way of holding his knuckle so it would get right in between the two muscles and it just hurt like a, hurt, hurt like a son of a gun. And, and so there was that kid. I felt like that was kind of bullying a little bit, but I didn't, you know, whatever, I got over it. Uh, And then uh, one time in high school, I never even told my parents this, but one time in high school, it was after school, I had to stay after and make up a test or something like that. Uh, I was a freshman in high school, 14-year-old kid, and I was walking, I I had to walk home, so I I was leaving the school through one of the side doors, a deserted hallway, and I got jumped by a couple of guys. Uh, and doesn't matter what race they were, but they, they were Polynesians and they jumped me and they held me down and went through my stuff and took some stuff out of my wallet. And, uh, I mean, that was more of an assault really than, than a bullying, but, uh, those are two incidents I had on school grounds, uh, not necessarily during, during school hours, that second one, but on school grounds. So for me, yeah, I mean, there were other instances as well, you know, you riding the bus and the guys say, certain guys say, you can't sit here. This is only for my buddies and stuff like that. And so it got me to thinking uh, about bullying. Um, we use that word a lot. I mean, it is, it is, I think, overused even. Uh, Steve's agreeing with me. It, it is overused. But maybe, Steve, if you can define for us exactly what the experts say bullying is, and is there any give or leeway in that, and how, how common is it? Well, well, there. let me first define it. Okay. Bullying is considered something that has to meet three criteria. It's okay. aggressive or violent in nature. Mm-hmm. It's uh, an imbalance of power, and it's repetitive. Okay. So typically in a bullying situation, you have a new kid. Well, obviously there's an imbalance of power, and mm-hmm. it, will compete, it, it will continue over a period of time, and, and you'll have a situation where I wish kids would realize they don't need to do that. It, it's so much better to be a friend. But if it meets those three criteria, then yes, it is considered bullying. A fight in a hallway is not always considered bullying, and we'll have parents come in and say, my child's being bullied. Well, let's talk about it. Well, not exactly. There are kids that are jerks. Um, perhaps <laughs> perhaps the kid that, yeah. you, your, your example, where he was a constant slugger, um, that's kind of a jerk maneuver. That's kind of a jerk, yeah. And likewise, the th- this scenario on the bus, you can't sit here, that seat's taken. That's a jerk maneuver. Mm-hmm. And if people would just be nice and learn that principle from kindergarten, of we need to be nice to others. People are going through things that we don't know about. And if we were just kind to them, um, you know, we could make everybody's days a lot better if we could just show a little bit of kindness. But again, it's those three things that meet the criteria of bullying, aggressive or violent, Mm -hmm. uh, an imbalance of power, and repetitive. If it meets those three things, then we have policies in effect that would uh, intervene and, and, and come out very harshly against the bully in that instance how uh, steve how common is it in washington county utah it happens everywhere i don't mm-hmm. think you can say it, it, there is a bully free school anywhere uh, i i would i would i would be quick to say you're you're full of baloney if you think your school does not have bullying in it right. or or elements of elements of bullying one of those three or two of those three where, where you have situations that kids are not being kind, um, which is why, again, we, we come back to parent involvement. 
from my purview, if you have parents that are talking to their kids on a regular basis at home, how was your day? What happened today? Talk to me about it. And uh, not just kids being bullied, but you find out that kids that might have a tendency to utilize their imbalance of power, their cool status in a mean way, will not do that if their parents are engaging them on a regular basis at night, are talking to them over the dinner table and saying, how was your day? How was class? Oh, what did you do here? If you're engaging with your child, it helps both the bully and the victim to to meet a, a, a different level as a student. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because it, it reminded me of a, a TV show. I think it was an Everybody Loves Raymond episode where there was an instance of bullying. And uh, so the mom, of course, you know, went to check into it to find out who's bullying my kid. She's up in arms. Turns out her kid was the bully. And it was it was quite a, a, a realization that, like you said, it can happen anywhere and to anyone. And it happened to be the, the you know the kid didn't like something else about the other kid, and instead of just ignoring it and moving on, she you know decided to pick on her about it. So you know, and, and I think it's a lesson that that I I wish we could help children learn earlier in life is that everybody faces challenges in their own personal life mm-hmm. that we don't know about. Right. and that it are very difficult for them. Um, you might have a challenge that for me is easy, but mm-hmm. for you is, is very difficult. Sure. And, and likewise, vice versa. I might have something that for me is very difficult, but for you it would be very easy. But we're all facing these things behind the scenes that nobody knows about. And so when you have this unkindness come out, um, it really throws children to an edge where they're learning to cope with their emotions. They're learning to cope with, with all these different social and emotional skills at school. It can throw them over the edge, and it is so unnecessary. And um, I wish kids could just be nice because we don't know what they're going through at home. We don't know what their home life is home. Yeah. We have so many children that come to our schools because our schools are the safe place. Their home is not the safe place. And... Oftentimes, those are the kids getting picked on, and it just aggravates me. It aggravates me when I hear of or find out a situation that all it needs is kindness. Yeah. Do do, do you ever get instances, Steve, where uh, a kid was bullying or picking on other kids, and then something happens, whether it's suicide or the kid drops out of school or or whatever, and they realize at that point what they were doing and feel bad about it. They they like I, I never meant it to go that far. Well, it's a little too late at that point, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we 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 had an incident in the news up north in mm-hmm. Utah uh, about that recently, and and again, at a certain point, it's too late. Mm. It, it, all we need is to be kind to people, and, and, and I, I don't understand this desire, and, and we see it even in adults, in politics. People yeah. need to be mean. People yeah, need do. to have the last word at any cost, and, and I think people need to step back and, and be civil and recognize, I need to consider another point of view, or step back and say, you know what, this is, this is outside of my comfort zone to be mean like this. I'm not a mean person. I'm not going to say this. They do it online all the time. They feel like that screen is a barrier that protects them. And we have, I mean, we call them trolls, but they're really bullies. They're bullies online, and they're rude, and they're uncivil, Mm -hmm. and they're just, they're disgusting to me. David, does it ever get to the district level, the bullying-type situation that that Mm -hmm. you guys have to deal with as a board? 
Yeah, well, I mean, we have, I would just say we have zero tolerance in the Washington County School District for bullying. And again, there's some subjectivity, right? Um, what was teasing and what is hazing, what is bullying? I mean, I think it's a pretty broad term. But I think Steve's right. I mean, if, if we just practice kindness, that's that's a, one of the great deterrents for bullying. Um, in the in the district, it is very important for us that we teach the children um, about social emotional learning. You don't know. I mean, a bully may may come from a home that is just you know there's no love, and he may be bullied himself by his mm. parents or siblings or relatives. True. I mean, and, and how does that how does a 10-year-old articulate, you know, what he's experienced at home and, and just change all that to just being this loving, kind person in the school? I mean, it, it, it's we just need to be compassionate for every situation for these children. And, again, the whole educational process that we're trying to do on a district level is to teach, teach how to deal with certain challenges, mental, emotional, social um, situations that happen that maybe – kind of lend to this bullying situation. And so it's important from a from a board level, from a district level, that we're giving all the tools and making all the tools available for the students in every situation, whether they come from a traditional two-parent home to, you know, foster homes, your grandparents raising the child, or, you know, living with uncles, aunts, whatever. We're trying to create um, opportunities for those children, for all children to learn um, social and emotional skills that will kind of prevent or at least help students understand what bullying is and how to be kind, how to treat one another, be intolerant of differences, whether they be ethnicity or socioeconomic situations or whatever. Yeah. We just we just do our best to to create environments where students can learn and understand and articulate what what it means to be bullied, what, how to avoid it, how to recognize it. And just, that's my goal. I mean, my goal is I, and I've said this many times that we, I have zero tolerance, zero tolerance for bullying. And, and if it does ever get to our level of, um, which thankfully I don't, it doesn't, as I can't remember too many times, but, um, it's rare, you know, we, 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 uh, we deal with it immediately swiftly because I, I just, Having had this experience, both as myself and children, I mean, it's, you know, not everybody has probably had a, an experience where they felt like they were bullied. But, you know, it's just it is something that, you know, it's kind of a work in progress. I, I mean, we have policies and we continue to develop policies that help protect students from bullying and we'll continue to, to work that to where we get get better. Get better. Be kinder. All right, got to take another break, guys. Hang on just a minute while we get this commercial break in. Uh, real quick, a chance to thank Joe Shoney with New American Funding. He's a loan officer. Now, those rates are going to start climbing now. In fact, they've already started climbing. So now is the time. If you've been thinking about a refi or reverse, or reverse mortgage or you're just trying to get into a place, give Joe Shoney a call and he'll explain it all to you. That's the best part about what Joe Shoney does. He'll sit down and explain every single part of what's going on with your loan. It's Joe Shoney, loan consultant serving Southern Utah for more than two and a half decades. The phone number for Joe is 435-590-6300. Joe Shoney is NMLS 121041. 
Welcome back, Andy and Steve in studio. Dave is on the phone line. We're talking schools here, and we've been talking a little bit about bullying. What? I mean, I, I think it's easy to agree bullying bad. You know, we know that. Of course it is. But what exactly is bullying? I have an interesting story for you guys I, I wanted to test out on you. Is this or is this not bullying? Uh, when I was in ninth grade, I was new moving. Mm-hmm. There's the new part. There's the new I, part. I was, Imbalance of power right yeah, away. I was the new guy in town, and uh, uh, I used to go to this bus stop to, to go to school, and there was this kid there, and he was... In ninth grade, I was probably already six feet tall and 100, 180 pounds or something. I was, you know, pretty pretty big for a ninth grader. Whoa. And wow. the, there was this kid there, and he was probably five two hundred and forty, maybe, if that big. And uh, every day, every morning at the bus stop, he wanted to fight me. He said, come on, let's fight. Come on, you jerk. And he would shove me and let's fight. And I, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a pacifist, but I didn't see the point of fighting a guy that I didn't. Even, I didn't even know, especially since. I mean, you talk about. You know, I love sports. We talk about a good team playing a really bad team. There's nothing to win, nothing to gain for the good team. If 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 they lose, then it's a big upset. If they win, well, they were supposed to win. That's kind of how I felt about this this whole situation. The kid, every morning wanted to fight me, would shove me, and call me names or whatever, and I refused to fight him. And uh, and he would say, "Why won't you fight me? Are you chicken? You know." And there's that whole Back to the Future. Are you are you chicken? And but but I didn't want to fight the kid. And and the main reason was, number one, I couldn't see that I could gain anything from fighting this guy. And number two, I was so much bigger than him. I was honestly afraid if we got into a fight, I could actually do some real physical harm to this kid. And so I refused to fight. Eventually, probably after I would say maybe two and a half, three months. He stopped, and we kind of became friends, and it was, wasn't an issue anymore. But for every day, every morning for the first couple of months of school, I didn't want to go to the bus stop because I didn't want to have to deal with this kid who wanted to fight me. Thoughts, guys? You know, I, I think that might be a situation where it's getting close to bullying because you have a situation where you have an imbalance of power, mm-hmm. maybe not physical, but he was the local guy. You were yeah, the new guy. I was the new guy. You also have a situation where he's trying uh, – I think this is more of it is that he's trying to create a, uh, increase his, his status mm-hmm. by saying, mm-hmm. Hey, look what I did. Yeah. His buddies were there watching. He had everything thing. to yeah. gain. You had nothing to gain from this. You'd be the jerk either way. Yeah. In the end, it worked out because you were patient and long suffering enough to deal with his nonsense. Yeah, a lot of suffering, <laughs> but really, really that's, that's what it comes down to. And, and I keep coming back to uh, parents. We want to teach our children kindness. We never want to be in a situation where it's gone too far. Like Davis said, we're trying to create environments at our schools that are safe. And if they're safe, then we can teach the curriculum that needs to be taught. But we can't do that if children don't feel safe. We have to create that base level. And, and if kids are coming to school being rude, being jerks, and creating an, it starts to create an unsafe environment. It starts to create an environment where kids don't want to be there. They don't want to ride the bus. I they don't want to do. confront the issue all the time. They get anxiety. It leads to other things. And gosh dang it, I wish we could just be kind to people. Be kind to our neighbors. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You don't know if they have an emergency. You don't know what they're going through in life. You don't know if they're distracted because they're going through a divorce and they weren't paying attention at the light because they're thinking about their spouse in one way or another. Mm-hmm. We don't need to flip them off. We don't need to honk the horn. We just need to back off and go, ah, let them go. 
You know, just yeah. let it go. Take a breath and let it go. I do remember during this time, uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go to the bus stop, which meant I didn't want to go to school, which meant I didn't want to get up in the morning. Yeah. And I remember my mom getting on like, "You need to get up. Why won't you get up in the morning?" And I remember thinking to myself, "I don't want to get up because I don't want to go to the bus stop." And, and it affected my whole life. For a couple of months when I was 14 years old. I think, unfortunately, that's that's common, especially where we have a community that's fairly close and, and smaller. I mean, we're growing rapidly, but we're a yeah. smaller community. We still have that small town feel where people that have grown up here have a very tight-knit group of friends, and we have a lot of new people moving in. And I think it, I think it's very frequent, more frequent than we might imagine, that people don't feel welcome because they don't feel included. Mm. And in your situation, you were new, and somebody was kind of pushing you out, pointing you out as the new guy, pointing you out as the different person, mm-hmm. and trying to make you feel uncomfortable and fight all the time, making you not feel welcome. Yeah. Gosh, can we just make people feel welcome in our community? Can we make, especially the kids, let's make them feel welcome. They'll want to stay. If we don't, they'll want to get out as quick as they can. And we want to grow this community. We want to make it stronger. That's the goal of the school district. We want our students to grow up and stay in this community and build it and make it stronger. Yeah. We don't want them to yeah. flee and go somewhere else. Yeah. And bring my boys from Dave, Dave thoughts? I'm thinking of, a, of an experience, and I don't know if you... There's kind of the old school mentality, Andy, you know, uh, yeah. if you remember the old Andy Griffith show when Opie was getting picked on by the kid and, and his dad said, you know, be kind, whatever. And he said, finally, you got to stand up for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Opie stands up for himself and they become best friends. I think that's the old school kind of fantasy. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned it still happens, but, but you know, you, you don't, we don't teach that. We don't teach, you know, fight and resolve. But we, what we teach, I mean, I want my children and I want the students to have resilience, right? So there's a fine line, I think, somewhere between, um, you know, going through these circumstances like you've mentioned. And how do, how do children become resilient? How do they become, how do they become able to um, find conflict resolution in certain circumstances? And, and that's what. I think the social and emotional learning that we try to do in in the district helps these children in these certain situations and circumstances to learn how to how to resolve conflict, how to recognize bullying, how to um, develop resilience.